Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Everyday Theology, where we as ordinary pastors connect theological truths to everyday believers. I'm your co-host, Dustin Walters, joined by your host, Ben Campbell. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing Ben. We've been kind of running a series in which we have introduced our listeners to the contributors at the blog, as well as to the podcast. It is my pleasure today to help you all get to know my friend and my brother in Christ, Ben, a little bit better. But first, Ben, how are you today? I'm good, Dustin. I'm uh, getting a little bit sleepy. It's end of the semester. I just finished uh, my final assignment for my Master of Divinity. So um, it's been <laughs> been a wild couple of days. I've written almost 20 pages today in my office. I so so much that I didn't even eat lunch today. So but I'm good. Unintentional fasting. So Yeah. Um, I did eat breakfast though, so wonderful. Well you know they say you know they always tell everybody like eat breakfast before you go to school and stuff. Yeah. Um, I do that sometimes but not always. So anyway. Well Ben, I think um kind of how I'd like for this to flow is very similar to um how Matt interviewed me and, and how you interviewed him. And we'll just kind of start by, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, who you are? Tell us about your family. Tell us where you're serving. And then um, maybe we'll transition to like your early conversion and how you came to know the Lord. Sure. So um, I have a wife. Her name is Kaylee. She's a registered nurse in uh, our area, Northeast Arkansas. And uh, we have two children, Beckett, who is six, and Haddon Charles, who just turned two. And uh, I, apart from, you know, being a believer in Jesus Christ, those are my favorite two roles in the world, being husband and and dad. And uh, it's just the joy of my life. But apart from those roles, the, the greatest joy is pastoring Arbor Grove Free Will Baptist in Hoxie. It's a Nothing that I've ever found more fulfilling in life than the calling to be a minister of the gospel. And so I've been there um, almost four years, almost four years. And uh, I've, I've been in school since I was in kindergarten, but uh, been pastoring for about four years. I was a youth pastor for almost seven before that. Wonderful. Well, take us back a little bit. So as I understand it, you grew up in a pastor's home. And by the way, I love your dad, Brother Timothy, such a great mentor. He's one of our supporters here at Everyday Theology. And uh, I just appreciate men like him who have invested in us and who, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we mess up sometimes. Guys, as listeners, we're not afraid to admit that. And and those guys like your dad help us kind of get back on track. So Ben, uh, at what point did the faith become your own? Because I've heard stories about pastors, kids who, you know, like the story of having to go to church and stuff, and it wasn't really their own for a period. Tell us kind of like, when did your faith become your own? Yeah. So I honestly, um, if you've ever heard, and I'm not kind of comparing myself to Dr. Pinson, but uh, if you ever heard Dr. Pinson tell his story, he's mentioned several times that he doesn't remember a time where he didn't know the gospel. And that's me. I, I just don't remember a time where, um, where the gospel was not present in our home and where uh, church was not a priority and where, you know, the, the Bible and the Lord and, and spiritual things were not, you know, at the front forefront of our lives as the Campbell family. So, um, 
but I grew up, uh, my parents were older when they had me. So, uh, they were told they couldn't have children after 16 years of marriage. Uh, I came along. So, um, I'm kind of a miracle baby, if you want to put it that way. Um, I'm special in many, many ways, but, <laughs> but, uh, but more, you know, so my parents were older when they had me, they'd been through, you know, they'd been married nearly 20 years before they had me got married young, but, um, they were in their mid thirties. You know, I did the exact opposite. I was 23 and became a father. So, um, but yeah, ne- just grew up never, never really not knowing the gospel. Um, I don't remember that, you know, you hear that song. I remember the day the Lord saved me. I don't remember the day the Lord saved me. Um, I, I just don't, I don't have a date written in one of my Bibles, you know, or anything like that. I don't have a sermon or a tent revival to go back to, um, because my life has been centered around the gospel, uh, from birth. And I, I count that an, an honest privilege. Um, I saw a tweet one time from Burke Parsons who said, I want my kids to have boring testimonies. And I'm going to be honest with you. My testimony is boring. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm not really ashamed of that. So um, I do remember we were living in Ashland City. And uh, I do remember some time kneeling, praying with my parents and, you know, asking the Lord to save me at some point in time, probably around four or five years old. I, you know, I have some reservations about children, but, uh, I did, but at that time I did know that I needed to, you know, trust Christ in faith in order to, you know, escape eternal punishment. But, uh, as time would tell, I, uh, my parents didn't try to push baptism on me. Um, and so we moved, we lived in our, in, um, Nashville, Tennessee and surrounding areas till 2002 and uh, it wasn't around till my preteen years that my my parents were kind of kind of nudging me toward baptism. You know, they were like, "Listen, if you're going to follow the Lord, you need to be baptized." And so, on December fifteenth, which is my birthday, two thousand and two, is when I got baptized. Um, I was a I was the day I turned eleven. So, um, as far as fa- but again, as far as faith in Christ is concerned. You know, I, I I don't want to say I've always had it, but I've just never remember a time where it wasn't there. Um, my high school years, again, were boring. Um, my parents somehow, uh, I guess by the Lord's provision and providence, instilled in me a wisdom to navigate a lot of life's temptations. It doesn't mean I didn't mess up or anything like that or didn't even do anything that I shouldn't have done, but um, by all standards, I was, you know, a pretty boring kid. I worked and played sports, so I didn't have time for anything else. (laughs) Mm. So that's very, very insightful, Ben. I appreciate you sharing about um, just kind of how you came uh, eventually to know the Lord. And I thank God for that foundation of faith. I I think Mm -hmm. that we need more of that. We need more families adopting a, your dad adopted a Deuteronomy 6 model for ministry before that was cool. Right, right. I really appreciate that. Um, so did you ever have a thought growing up in a minister's home? You know, I don't want to be a pastor when I grow up. There's no way I want to do that. Tell us about like how you recognize God was calling you to be a pastor. 
this is an interesting part of my life, um, to be honest with you. Funny thing, uh, I really didn't grow up in a pastor's home. So uh, a lot of people think I did, but my dad pastored till I was four. And uh, then we moved to Nashville. And my dad started working at Free Will Baptist Bible College, which is now Welch College. And uh, we did that from from 94 to 2002. And then in 2002, my dad took a job as the executive director of Arkansas Free Will Baptists. And that's what he did till I moved out of the house and got married. Um, funny, funny little fact throw in. I have as much pastoral experience in years as my dad does. <laughs> now, you turn around and do that in wisdom and ministry experience altogether. It's totally different. But as far as years is concerned, I have as much pastoral experience as my dad. But um, so... It it was a little bit interesting growing up in that in that regard though. The Welch years, the Free Will Baptist Bible College years were a blur and kind of irrelevant in one sense because I was really young. So um you know, I was just the knucklehead on campus who went around and played pool with all the college kids. It was just, you know, kind of the annoying little kid on the block. Um but uh Moved to Arkansas. Um, I ended up going to a Christian school there. Um, I was the only five-point Arminian in the entire school. I was the only Free Will Baptist in the entire school. Um, so I, I had interest in theology and, and you know, biblical studies and things of that nature. But I was pretty gifted in music, and so um, really didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought I might want to be a, a musician or something like that. I had some at some point in time, I had some leanings toward architecture or culinary school. I really like to cook. And so I kind of had considered culinary school at one point in time. Our listeners should know that you are a master chef on the uh, the smoker that you have at your house. I got to yeah. enjoy a meal there. So That's right. That's right. You did. We cooked some good ribeyes. Um, but uh, <laughs> now everybody's mouth-watering. But uh, – that's fine. If so, they want to start donating stakes to Everyday Theology, uh, we'll be happy to uh, email them our addresses. Yeah, bring it on. I'll send you a picture and everything. <laughs> but uh, so it was probably around my junior, sophomore, junior year of high school. Um, my dad, for those who know my dad, my dad is a pretty funny guy and he likes to joke around a lot. And he looked at me one time and he said, listen, you can go anywhere you want to for college but I'm only paying for free will Baptist Bible college. And I thought he was serious. And and I'll be honest with you. I didn't care what he, why he said that because that's where I wanted to go. Um, you know, I grew up on campus for nearly 10 years of my life. So I wanted to go there. I knew everybody. I mean, I, I literally would just walk in to Tom Malone's office because my mom was his secretary and he would, he would talk to me. Uh, Kenny Simpson was the director of enrollment management and I'd go up there and shoot his rubber band gun when I was five, six, seven years old. So, um, you know, I just grew up on campus. It's where I wanted to go. So, um, as far as the call to ministry, I never had sort of a resentment, if you will, toward ministry. Um, I, and I, I think partly the reason for that is because my parents, never showed the hurt that they experienced. They never um, portrayed ministry as a burden in, in our home. Um, and there were many, many burdens um, 
the state of Arkansas when my dad took the reins, if you will, um, was kind of in a transitional stage between sort of a really, really extreme right in a kind of middle-of-the-road progressive type of way. Um, and so there were a lot of King James-only fundamentalists, and then there was a, a few who were trying to do sort of the seeker-sensitive movement. Um, there was a several, and I'm not exaggerating this, a several hundred-thousand-dollar bookstore debt that the state had taken on that my dad had to worry with. Um, and all I remember about those times is dad coming home and sitting in his recliner and taking a nap every day he came home from work. Um, and so, um, they, they were, I think my parents were very intentional about not like bringing that into the house. Mm -hmm. They were there, they were present at sports games, sports practices, all that kind of stuff. So I, I wasn't, um, kind of, uh, apprehensive toward the many. I didn't have any animosity toward, you know, gospel ministry. I really hadn't thought about being a pastor. Um, and so I get to college. In fact, I didn't declare a major and they put me in music classes. So my first fresh, my whole freshman year was stuck in music course and I hated it. Absolutely hated it. Um, and so um, at that point in time, the Lord started dealing with me and, uh, Nothing out of the ordinary, nothing mystical or anything like that. I didn't hear a clear call from God, but um, at that point in time, I really kind of, you know, after just being at, at Welch and being with the students and uh, talking with roommates and friends and everybody just decided <clears throat> that this might be a path that I think that the Lord might be leading me down and ended up declaring youth and family ministry as my major going into my sophomore year. So again, not really a, just kind of a boring calling, but, uh, but yeah, so that, that led me to, you know, going into ministry in that regard. What have been uh, in your years of ministry, what have been some of your favorite moments? And um, I'm going to ask a question about some challenging moments, but I'm not asking necessarily about personal things. <laughs> I'm asking like, from the perspective of leading and shepherding God's people. So tell me about some moments in ministry that have been just really what you would call a home run. And and then, and then tell me some moments that have been maybe instructive or challenging or something like that. We were, uh, I was a youth pastor in Northwest Alabama where you're from actually around where you're from. Um, you mentioned in your podcast, the university of North Alabama, I lived about, six miles from there um, in Muscle Shoals for a couple of years. And that was uh, some of the, the darkest times of my ministry. Um, but somehow it was some of the most fruitful um, that, you know, it just brings up what, what Joseph says to Potiphar and his wife, you meant this for evil, but God meant this for good. And uh, you know, this, the devil, I'm firmly convinced the devil was trying to pull me out of gospel ministry. Not to say that I'm some Charles Spurgeon or anything like that, but but the devil was trying to lure me away, and he almost did. Um, but you wouldn't believe what came out of 
that that ministry there. We we saw teens come to Christ. Um, we grew exponentially, not because we were trying to, but because you know we were just serious about the Bible. Um, I I inherited a best friend that's was in my youth group. Um, that is now probably the greatest fruit of my ministry. His name's Jonathan, and he uh, is now a children's pastor out in North Carolina at Bethel Free Will Baptist Church in Kinston. And, um, you know, it's just amazing to see how the Lord used such a dark time even to 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 help me see fruit ministry that that would probably be obviously if there was a home run like that would be it um Jonathan knowing him and knowing who he was before um and then seeing him now flourish as God is using him is just um it's just an absolute mind blowing uh grace that that you that I see um so uh, some other wins, honestly, is um, just being able to uh, – this is going to sound a little bit arrogant, but to see my preaching progress over the last four or five years. So what I hear you saying isn't really so much about pride or arrogance, Ben. What I hear you saying is uh, as you assess and look back at your own life, you're able to see like, man, there was growth and credit to the Holy Spirit there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there because I, I'm massively introverted. <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable talking about myself here, but uh, just massively introverted, and um, so I have to really work hard to be natural in a pulpit, if you will, um, um, and to to not be someone I'm I'm not, and to be real and to be vulnerable and to have real world application. And so seeing that growth over the last four or five years, I've still got mountains to climb in those areas, but um, seeing growth over the last uh, four or five years, being able to preach in day in and day out has been, has been uh, sort of a, a, a nice sort of gold nugget in the dirt, if you will. Um, but honestly, man, just the the joy of being able to pastor. I told you earlier, this is just the most fulfilling uh, thing in my life. I mean, I literally wake up living a dream. Even on the bad days, I wake up living a dream, loving the fact that the Lord has called me to pastor and to shepherd His church. Um, and I don't, I don't mean that in any sort of exaggeration. Um, my wife and I have had arguments when we were going through difficulties and she would say, Ben, just take a break and get a different job. And I'd say, I can't do that. I can't do it. I'm called to this and I don't want another job as difficult as it might be. I just don't want another job. So that, that's been, that's been really encouraging, um, just to have that, that zeal, and, and that desire for the ministry. Um, I've, I've had a lot of setbacks. <laughs> um, I am my own worst enemy. And so um, I had some really um, challenging times when I, when I began pastoring at Arbor Grove. 
Um, we had some marital issues um, go on within a couple of couples in our church, some affairs going on um, and some different things that, that really tested my my pastoral wisdom that I really didn't have because I'd been, I'd been a pastor about eight months. Um, so that was, that was sort of difficult. We've had, we've had different issues. Obviously I was a pastor for a year and a half and then COVID hit. And so that's been its own, its own issue. Um, there, there's been times where I've had some, um, you know, some run-ins with, with some, some different people in the church, but, uh, overall, man, I, I honestly, setbacks maybe is a big word, uh, you know, too harsh of a word. Um, but, but just things that happen because you deal with people. So tell us about, um, some of your hobbies. I happen to know that one of your hobbies is collecting really, really nice Bibles. <laughs> By the way, uh, Earlier in the week, I had tweeted something, and your brother, it was not directed toward you. I tweeted something about, I'm in this Facebook group, and this guy took a picture of his stack. And he had like eight yeah. like premium Bibles. And I'm like, how? So anyhow, that's irrelevant to you, Ben. But I want to yeah. know, um, tell us about some hobbies or some interests that you have, uh, and tell us how you sort of – grew to appreciate uh, not only fine coffee, but you came to appreciate fine Bibles. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. I'll start with my hobbies first. Biggest hobby I've developed since pastoring um, is golf, playing golf. Um, it sounds like golf is an old man sport. It's really not. Um, it's actually quite, Again, I'm an introvert, so I'm really comfortable going and playing 18 holes by myself. Um, but actually, come to find out, a lot of my uncles and cousins play as well. So, man, we'll have six and eight guys go out and play once or twice a month, especially in the summer, and it's it's really fun. So it's been something I've been able to rekindle relationships with my, with my family. Another thing that I should have said when I was telling about pastoring Arbor Grove is that I'm able to, to be my – some of my family's pastor and that's, that's, that's a, a joy as well. Um, I write, um, I like to write. Um, I enjoy writing. I wrote a book <laughs> that wasn't, uh, just from a hobby. That was my master's thesis, but uh short little plug. I actually do have another one coming out, um, sometime later on this year. Um, that will be more of a hobby, right? than it will uh, just kind of a project that turned into a book. But um, I enjoy writing. In fact, that's really where everyday theology started. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't claim to be the founder of it or anything like that. But, um, man, I just I started a blog probably 12 years ago. Well, when I was in college, I was writing in college um, and would just write things and have always loved to write. I kind of think and flesh out my thoughts that way and helps me to organize it. Um, so that's, that's pretty much what I do. I like to golf. Um, and of course now, you know, Beckett's old enough to be in sports. And so I'm coaching his teams and stuff like that. So that's real fun. He's able to throw some ball with me and stuff. And, um, he's gotten into golf a little bit too. So we do that together. Um, but we, uh, Kaylee and I like to float the river. We like to, to go kayaking. So that's kind of something we all do together. 
Um, as far as Bibles go, <laughs> I could we need to do a podcast on Bibles, I guess. Um, but I do have a couple. I have a few. I don't have that many, um, but I do have a few premium Bibles is what they're called. They're not bound in a hybrid type of leather that's really hard and really um, kind of cheaply made, if you will. Um, and if you've ever handled a Bible that is not made well, you understand this, or if you've compared one. Um, so a lot of the leather is calf skin or goat skin, or I have a Bible that is bound in giraffe skin. Um, I've had a Bible that's bound in kangaroo. Um, but basically the affinity I have for Bibles, um, started when, when I first got into ministry, I wanted to buy a Bible that I could have that would last me, you know, throughout my entire ministry. That's what I wanted. I didn't want to, I'd seen people buy Bibles that like, you know, in 10 years they would, you know, the cover would be off them because they're cheap. Um, they just made cheaply, I should say. Um, and so I wanted to buy something that was a good investment that was going to be, that would last. And so that ended up kind of becoming a little bit of a hobby. I don't have, but about three or four of them. And I, they've been the same three or four that I've collected over the last four or five years. So some of these guys, it's nuts. Some of these guys have thousands of dollars worth of Bibles. That's not me. Yeah. Well, I think that it has a practical benefit of having something for your long-term ministry and preaching and yeah. things like that. Um, and I think certainly Bible quality has gone down over the years. So I can see how that would become. I mean, honestly, man, you've had an impact on me. I want to get some of those. I have a, I have an ESV goat skin preaching Bible um, mm-hmm. that I paid $100 for on Amazon. But I figure it would probably go for higher than that now. But yeah, probably it's, with inflation it would. I like the feel of it. Um, I don't like how bulky the ESV preaching Bible is. It's hard to carry around places. It's a it's a wide margin too, isn't it? Yeah, very wide. So, yeah, some of those. So my preaching Bible that I use is the CSB verse by verse, and it's a wide margin as well, and it's pretty bulky. That's the one that's bound in giraffe skin. Um, and so it, a funny thing too, it smells like the zoo. <laughs> I don't know. It just smells like the desert. It smells like dirt. I guess that's what giraffes. The man's Bible. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) That's my cologne. I just pat it on my chest every Sunday. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, You shared a little bit about kind of how the blog and how the ministry kind of got started, which, by the way, I'm super thankful that we're coming up on, um, if we haven't already come to it, the point in which you asked me about a year ago to uh, come on here with you. And I'm so thankful. It's been such a joy. And uh, the conversations, the peer-to-peer uh, development mm-hmm. of my thought, and I'm just grateful. So kind of give our listeners um, uh, where you would like to see us go, maybe cast a vision a little bit for maybe some dreams that you have uh, for us at Everyday Theology. Yeah, well, again, I don't I don't like to be the one to be like the dream caster, the vision caster, whatever, because, I mean, this side, it kind of just started as a hobby in – kind of morphed into what it is now, really. I mean, I mean, and you've, you've kind of seen it play out, man. I was just like, Hey, you know, I was starting to put out regular, more regular content. And I was like, I would, I kind of thought, you know, I'd really like to have another guy come to find out. I had quite a bit of traffic. Um, and so I thought, you know, it'd be really great if, 
if I could bring somebody else on and you were the first person that came to mind and you had kind of talked about you were, we had kind of reconnected. You'd been in new Orleans, but we had kind of reconnected and you were pastoring and we had, we had gotten back into kind of, you know, continuing conversation. And so um, you wrote a couple guests posts on there. And I think you did a podcast podcast started in, in 2020 when I had COVID and uh, I, I about six months in, I thought, boy, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with this? Like, I'm going to run out of things to talk about. Um, but thankfully, we haven't run out of things yet. Sometime we need to go back and listen to the playbacks because we've probably had like 15 or 20 ideas for future episodes that we need to go back. We do. Back. Yeah. I Don't go back to the first couple episodes because they were when my son was in infancy and my had and Charles when he was in infancy and are very much me whispering into a microphone. <laughs> um, so that'd be kind of interesting if you want to go back and listen to those first couple episodes. But, uh, but yeah, so it, it really just kind of started as something that I just love doing and then really just morphed into what it is as far as like future goals. We, we've, we've met on a few occasions and, um, you know, we would like to, to, to at some point in time put out some resources for, um, for free will Baptists specifically, cause that's our, our camp, you know? Um, and we're not ashamed to call ourselves free will Baptists. Um, so we kind of talked about that. We, we, who we needs the Alliance of confessing evangelicals when you got the Alliance of confessing free will Baptists? <laughs> yeah. Just on a much smaller scale. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, and proper but, baptism, but we won't talk about that. Hey, hey, yeah, but uh, but you know, we've talked about also um, maybe doing some things with adding some um, some fellows who not necessarily are regular contributors, but are you know con- confessing um, with us what we believe and kind of push 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 us to support and. Um, kind of place their stamp of approval on what, on what we're doing. Um, yeah, there's just so much to do. I I would, you know, the main thing right now, um, that I really would like to see us do is just promote a good solid means of grace, sufficiency of scripture, um, reformed Arminian theological position. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just not here you know, and I and I think all of us are in agreement with this, but I'm not I'm not here to make it like the Gospel Coalition or like Christianity Today or anything like that. What you know, we get plenty of traffic, and I mean, we get plenty of traffic. But more importantly, what I want to do is to be a sounding board for everyday believers and local church pastors, mm. um, because really, when it boils down to it. You know the local church pastors are really the unsung, unsung heroes of, you know, of of the Christian faith in in one sense or another. Um, and so, you know, if we can be an encouragement to ordinary believers, and we can spread, um, kind of a a love for the Word and for theology, and uh, simultaneously encourage pastors, I think that's that's a worthy goal. 
Yes. So tell us what is, as we get ready to kind of wrap up our interview today, it's been an excellent discussion. I've definitely learned a lot about you. Um, do you have like a favorite Bible passage that you like to either read or preach on or uh, tell us uh, what are your favorite scriptures? Oh man, it just depends on this, the, the season of life that's going, that I'm going through as far as favorite scriptures. Um, honestly, um, I don't really have like a favorite set scripture as far as if, if I were to say, um, I, I really love the Psalms. Um, and then I, I really like the book of Hebrews. Um, as far as the New Testament book, I really just enjoy um, memorizing Hebrews, but also I preached through it last year and that was, that was very um, encouraging and fun to do. Um, but as far as like a favorite, favorite preaching book, it's probably like the one I'm preaching through. <laughs> yeah. I, I you know uh so right now i'm in the weeds of revelation on wednesday nights and uh, that's been really fun i've been converting all of my wednesday night church members to amillennialism on on wednesday nights so <laughs> no i'm just kidding that was a joke everybody but um but no we we have been going through revelation and i've been trying to uh, actually present all four major views while exposing the text and just kind of going chapter by chapter. But, but yeah, mostly just uh, the book I'm preaching through. Um, That's awesome. And, yeah, kind as, of we get, as we get ready to kind of wrap up here, what's, uh, what's your next uh, section that you're going to be preaching through at your church? Well, so this, this year I have decided to, um, this is weird. I've never done this before. Um, but the kind of the direction our leaders at the church had had kind of talked through and decided the the way the Lord was leading us to go. Um, we're trying to focus on community outreach and evangelism and, and, and things of that nature. So I kind of did want to we had a really rough 2021, especially the latter part of 2021. And we needed to really return to um you know, just being faithful and being obedient, um, our church did. And so um, I decided to take an entire year and preach a sermon series called Essentials for the Christian Life. But within this year-long series, I'm having sub-series. So for like four or six weeks, we'll talk about one essential is having a relationship with Christ, right? You can't obviously be a Christian without a relationship with Christ. I just finished a devotion to the local church. So um, that's what for about six weeks, this Sunday's Mother's Day. So I'll take do a Mother's Day sermon. Um, next, I will start um, talking about uh, a, a, a zeal to share the gospel and to make disciples. And that will go on for several weeks. And, uh, and then the latter half of the year, I'm going to kind of introduce a pathway um, to getting people involved into our church um, and uh, going to preach through some different texts. So nothing uh, sequential necessarily, but just sort of different texts chosen. Well, that's awesome, man. Any uh, closing thoughts or anything that you want our listeners to know about you or uh, something uh, that you want them to be mindful of as we wrap up this episode? 
Oh man, there's nothing you need to know about me at all. Uh, but uh, I will say um, that I think there's something that if I were to give you something to take away from like my journey so far, a couple of things. Number one, if you're not called to ministry, don't go into ministry. Mm. Um, and the only reason I say that is because I've I I know I'm called to ministry, and even through literally. Um, like being unable to eat at times because I'm so going through so much stress and depression and all of this, you know, I'm still never questioning the Lord and his calling in my life. Um, so I, I've been on the end where it's like, where, where it would be very easy to quit, but uh, that's never been a question for me. So, you know, if you can do anything else and be happy and and feel like, you know, you're pleasing the Lord, I would say do it. Um, don't go into ministry unless you can't do anything else. Um, but another thing that I would say is uh, that if you will, um, if you will be a means of grace pastor, you can pastor a church that's just below average in number. And lay your head on your pillow every night and and be and have been faithful to the Lord in your work. Um, you know, Arbor Grove is is not a mega church. You've been there. Arbor Grove is a church in the middle of a rice field. It's five miles out of town. It's a blue collar church. It's been there since the eighteen eighties. It's a church that's had many pastors. Um but uh but it is a church that is faithful to the Lord and to his word. And, um, and I am loving every minute of it. I have no plans of leaving. And, uh, so I think if, if we will devote ourselves to the means of grace and to the sufficiency of scripture, we don't have to worry about having the greener grass syndrome or anything like that. We can focus on being faithful and shepherding the flock that is among us as we are shepherded by the great shepherd. Those are excellent words to end on. We hope that you all are encouraged and uh, we hope you've enjoyed this little mini series and getting to know us. Grace and peace to our listeners and we will catch you next time.